and welcome to another episode of When Records Ruled. I just woke up Lance. Oh, hello. Yeah, you did. Wow. <laughs> this is the podcast where we share our love of rock music and pop culture from the 70s and 80s and take a few B-side tracks down memory lane along the way. So get out those liner notes and set aside that unsolved Rubik's Cube because you're mm, never going to solve it. Never. Never did. It's time to hit the play button. I'm your... What host. are you? What are you, Dave? Host. What are you today? Yep. It's Halloween. Do you have a costume? Are you somebody different? What is this? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that was a lot of questions right there. Mm. I'm your host. Oh, okay. David good. Norris. And joining me on this flashback musical road trip are my good friends, Brian Strom and Lance Schwartz. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Terrific. Did you guys enter a boost cube? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Still have one. Never finish it. I could finish one side. That was it. Yeah. Then I would break it apart, put it back together. Oh, you did? Oh, a little Vaseline trick, right? Yeah. Yep. My kids are better at it than I am. Oh, yeah. My son, Matthew, does it. He's yeah. got the system. He got the system. I got he a got the system. I got a Rubik snake, I think. Oh, I forgot about those. I still have that, actually. Wow. They're pretty fun. My brother had one of those. Who yeah. was Rubik, anyway? I, I know. know. The inventor of that puzzle. You're like, yeah. Sounds like a real square to me. Oh. <laughs> Jeez. For today's episode... We will be discussing the album Synchronicity by The Police. We're going to hear what was happening around the time of the album's release, wrap it up with a personal rating of the album, and then we'll end the show with our Remember When segment. So, to get us started, Lance is going to give us some details about the album. Yes, I am. We hope so. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I am, sir. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a little maniacal for that. <laughs> okay. Well, Synchronicity is the fifth and what turned out to be the final studio album from the rock band, English rock band, The Police, which was actually two-thirds English, if I am correct, because Stuart Copeland was not from Britain. Hmm. Doesn't talk with the funny accent. Oh, okay. So, there you go. So, where was he from? I don't remember. Cleveland? I don't know. Oh, really? Cleveland? Okay. <laughs> Something That's like where that. the harder rock and roll is. I have a reference. I know where his what his dad did, but we'll get into that later. Okay. It would be good to know, but I, I know that. Because, look it up while you're talking about that. Yeah. It was released in June 1983, at that time on A&M Records. This was the band's, I would say, most successful release. Um, the album included hit singles, Every Breath You Take, King of Pain, Wrapped Around Your Finger, and the way cool Synchronicity 2. Way cool. Way cool. Uh the album at the 1984 Grammy Awards was nominated a total of five times, including Album of the Year, and won three awards. The album reached number one on both the UK album chart and the US Billboard 200. It sold over 8 million copies in the US. And um, I mentioned the UK, it debuted at number one on the UK album chart and spent two weeks there in top position in the US. It topped the Billboard 200 chart uh, in late July, so relatively quickly after its release in June, and ultimately spent 17 non-consecutive weeks at number one on the chart. Guess who it interrupted? Oh, Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson Thriller. Yep. Finally, yep. someone yep. knocking the king off. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Even but for he, a little he while. probably went back up. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm sure. Big feet, though. Um, Big feet? Big shoes to fill? Is that what you're talking about? F-E-A-T. Oh, a big feet. Oh, Sorry. Gotcha. Yeah, I, 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 I looked at each other and I'm like, what is he talking about? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, you've seen him dance. That His was a feet big aren't that yeah. big, but I mean, Michael Jackson, he can yeah. dance. So Woo. synchronicity. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the synchronicity album was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2023. Uh, the album was all selected, also selected for preservation in the United States National Recording Reg- Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. So hmm. high honors. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So the recording for Synchronicity took place over a period of six weeks in Montserrat, um, beginning in December 82. Uh, the three band members recorded the basic tracks in separate rooms. Um, according to the band's producer, Hugh Padgham, I think I'm saying that correctly, this was done for two reasons. Number one, to obtain the best sound for each instrument and also, quote-unquote, for social reasons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a little bit of strife, uh, and maybe this is why it was their last album, uh, last studio album anyway. Just a little strife. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, according to my research, it said, during the recording of Every Breath You Take, ta- during the recording of Every Breath You Take, Sting and Stuart Copeland actually came to blows and Padgham, the producer, nearly quit the project <laughs> at that time. Oh, man. Uh, some great accolades for the album by the press. In 1983, the Rolling Stones reader poll, Synchronicity was voted album of the year. And in 89, it was ranked number 17 on Rolling Stones' list of 100 best albums of the 80s. I'm actually kind of surprised it's not a little higher than that, but... A lot of good albums in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sure. Like a Michael Jackson's Thriller. <laughs> <laughs> when are we going to review that? That uh, would be a thrill. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mentioned the producer before, Hugh Padgham. He was an English record producer and audio engineer, and he had worked with some really big names, um, including Phil Collins, Genesis, Human League, um, The Police, Peter Gabriel. So there's kind of a thread yeah. there. Oh, with, yeah. Um, in fact, it, he's credited with coming up with what's called a gated reverb drum mm-hmm. sound. That's the drum sound in, in the air tonight, which oh, okay. also Peter, do, Gag- do, 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 yep. do, 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 Peter Gabriel used that on, I can't remember what his, um, album they said, third self-titled solo album by Peter Gabriel used that sound too. And, um, Collins actually played on that album. That's interesting. Oh, that, really? Yeah. yeah. That Collins was playing on Peter Gabriel's even after he quit the yeah. band. Really? So a little bit of trivia. A um, few artists who Padgett, Padgham, Padgett, Padgham also worked with, uh, I guess I mentioned before, but this list is pretty diverse. So Bee Gees. Oh, wow. David Bowie, Kate Bush, who's done a song with Peter Gabriel, mm-hmm. Don't Give Up. Um Cheryl Crow, The Dream Academy, mm. 311. Really? The, wow. The Fix, Hall & Oates, Human League, Elton John, Paul McCartney, Mike and the Mechanics. I mean, it's a who's who of 80s music. Wow. Um, and beyond. So uh, Is that like engineering or is it produ- uh, He didn't produce bo- all that. Both. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He was, in fact, he was co-producer on this album, okay. if I remember right. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So that is a little background and hopefully sets the stage for what should be a fun review tonight. Awesome. All right. To give us an even better frame of reference, Brian's here to enlighten us and with some information and fun facts about what was happening around the time the album was released. 
the week of June 17th, 1983. Some of the top bands on the chart at the time were Rick Springfield, Michael Jackson, who is always in there somehow, some yep. way. Yep. The Kinks, Prince, hmm. and hmm. Brian Adams. I wonder what Kinks album that was, or song. Probably Come Dancing, Yeah, my guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top three songs at the time were Let's Dance by... David Bowie. Yeah, yes. yeah. Time. Awesome video. awesome video for that, by the way. Time. Clock of the Heart. No. No Not idea. familiar. Culture Club. Oh, time. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Time yeah. won't give you yeah. time. Yeah. It's good I recognize the song. I thought you were saying like it was by. Never mind. Yeah, that's right. I was thinking like Pink Floyd. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But that's a that's lot earlier. Yeah. yeah. But and it was on the charts a long time. It was, it was, yeah, at this time, true. it yeah. was on the charts, yes. <laughs> um, and then number one was Flashdance, What a Feeling. Mm, okay. Irene Carr. That was probably up there for a while. Flashdance, Flash in the Pan for Irene Carr. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe Did there's bigger fans out there. I don't know. They're not listening to this podcast. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> TV shows at the time, the new Leave it to Beaver. What? Yeah. I never watched that. Yeah. I wasn't a bit, I knew you were a huge Leave it to Beaver oh, fan. Yeah. I never wa- hardly yeah. watched the show. I I'm a occasionally. huge fan too, and I did not watch the new Leave it to Beaver. Okay. Did you watch After Mash? Nope. Maybe one episode. Yeah. I don't remember that one. I was kind of surprised when I saw Detecting that. Detecting a yeah. theme here. Yeah. <laughs> new Heart? I watched a little bit I, of New Heart. New Heart was good. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Knight Rider? Definitely Knight yeah. Rider. And then one of them that I really liked here, TV's Bloopers and Practical Jokes. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was good. Yeah. Do you remember who hosted that one? Um, Pat Sajak. No. no. <laughs> he did the New Year's Rock and New Yeah, um, come on. Oh, Dick Clark. Yeah, Dick, Dick Clark. Clark. Yeah. And, his, kind of, and his sidekick? He had a sidekick. Ed McMahon. Was that on the show? Wow. Yeah. Oh, I did not remember yeah. that. Wow. So was that kind of the first... Oh, you are correct. You are correct, sir. You know, throwing in your America's Funniest Home Videos. Yeah, it was. A little right. precursor to that, right? Yep. Yeah. That was and I think show. they used to do little practical jokes in there. They would get one of some celebrity to do yeah. some little thing. So. But again, back fun. in the time, like you had four stations and you gathered the family mm-hmm. around to watch that whatever evening it came out. Yep. I don't remember exactly. Okay, what, Dave, what Dave, we're not that old. You're, you're four old. stations? This was the 80s. <laughs> We had MTV. Well, somebody, oh yeah, you didn't. Did. Wow, <laughs> rabbit ears. Too soon. Too soon, man. All right, movies around this time period. Uh, Superman three. Yeah, actually saw that one in the theater. I think I did as well. Richard Pryor. That was the one. With Richard yeah. Pryor. That was, that was not horrible. Good. No, it was, that was bad. Not good. Trading Places. That's a good movie. Great movie. Flashdance, as we of course. Yep. Lance called it something else. Um, Return of the Jedi. Flash Mob. <laughs> Flash in the pan. No. <laughs> Return and, of the Jedi, awesome. Obviously. Yeah. And Psycho 2. Never saw any of the Psycho movies. You got, oh, you, you got to see the first yeah, one, at least. Guess. No, I don't. Yes, yes. you do. Uh, have you seen The Birds? Can't make me. Nope. Oh, come on, oh, Dave. Oh, man, these Alfred Hitchcock movies are awesome. Mm. I'm sure they are. Wow, Dave's just like, for a movie guy. Okay, like, we I've were seen, looking for an off-night uh, I've seen a topic. Other... We're going to do Alfred Hitchcock movies. Oh, really? Yes. yes. Alfred uh, Hitchcock oh, wait a minute. No, that's not 70s and no. 80s. Can't <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> All right. Guys. Toys around this period. <laughs> Mr. T action figures. <laughs> I 
stop. Here's the food. Doesn't play with my action figure. That's right. Was was he like Stretch Armstrong? <laughs> yeah, it must have been right. <laughs> I could no, have just been just a plastic just guy. A plastic with twelve yeah. inch. You know, I hope it came with like the, the eighteen van. van. Yeah, uh, no kidding. That's extra. That's what it must have been part yeah. of, though, right? Uh, no one wanted the rest of it. No one wanted Hannibal or Face Man. No, no, no. Okay, Cabbage Patch Kids, Viewmasters. Viewmaster. Oh yeah. What in yeah. the eighties? Yeah. Man, I had one of those. Well, yeah, they had them for a long time, but they were also still big at that time. Wow. And the Magic Eight Ball. Oh, for sure. Yes. Keep turning around till you get the answer you want. That's right. That's <laughs> <laughs> two out of three. Come on, two out of three. <laughs> Did you guys have? Do you guys have one of those? Yes, you did I did game? not had friends who had them. Yeah, same. Yeah, I had the friends, and you play with it for a little while, and you're like, "All right, well, yeah, that was fun." You On know, the next at, thing. at that age, I didn't have too many decisions I really needed to make. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I eat a snack now or later? I don't care what it says. I'm going to eat it now. That's right. Yeah, you're going to twist that or just keep shaking it until you get the answer of definitely. Yes. Yeah. Right now. All right, let's take a deep breath, all right? <clears throat> because it's time to talk synchronicity by the police. You gotta get in sync, Lance. Yeah, you're totally No, nice. I don't like right. that band. All right. They're 90s. A little bit of background on this, which I found is this is considered to be the defining album of the second British invasion. I read that too. What does that oh. mean really? Well, I guess the second British invasions, uh, like a sharp increase in the popularity of British synth pop and new wave artists in the U S mm -hmm. began around the summer of 82 peaked in 83 and then continued much of the eighties. Be like human league and Duran Duran. I, th I think so. Yeah. Yeah, so, sense. and obviously the catalyst for that, um, primarily popular cable music channel called MTV, mm -hmm. you know, I think was the primary catalyst for that. But I thought that was kind of interesting, like the second invasion here, and these guys are on the forefront. And there's a lot of albums that kind of had a similar sound. I mean, those some Peter Gabriel and stuff like that, too, that we've maybe mentioned off air. Mm hmm. Um, the album's title, which I thought, like, I, I kind of get it, but I wanted to dig a little deeper and maybe you guys did too on synchronicity and what that meant. Well, all I remember is, uh, I must've been in seventh grade and my friend Jimmy, huge police fan. Yeah. And this album came out and I remember asking him, I was like, what is synchronicity? <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, when two things kind of happened at the same time, parallel to blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. Whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, like, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy, he, he was going to paint his, the police on his wall. I mean, he was a huge, oh, like the logo. Yeah. Wow. In his bedroom. Yeah. That, that huge of a fan. Okay. Yes, he was wow. big time. Was he going to put the colored swooshes? Yeah, I don't there. know. Oh, that would, I, that'd I never cool. saw the finished product, but so, um, Title was inspired by Arthur Kessler's book, The Roots of Coincidence, which was influenced by Carl Jung's concept of synchronicity. So Frontman Sting is an avid reader of Kessler and also titled the police's prior studio album, Ghost in the Machine, after one of his works. So he's into all of this. Mm -hmm. um, 
Carl Jung, a Swiss psychiatrist and psychoanalyst, he founded analytical psychology. So one of his definitions of synchronicity, so you know what the lyrics and stuff we're dealing with on the, uh, the album here. To describe circumstances that appear meaningfully related, yet lack, lack a causal connection. I'll say that one more time. To describe circumstances that appear meaningfully related, yet lack a causal connection. So it's pretty heady stuff. And, we, you know, most of the lyrics are kind of into that, too. Yeah. They're a little up there. Little well, you know, there. Lance was complaining last week about, you know, there's no depth <laughs> in the music. So I hope you're getting your depth this week. No, this, yeah, this is good. Good stuff, right? It really is. It's, it's we were, heady. It's very heady, yeah. Um, Headache. It's dark. Before we get into talking tracks, one out, one uh, artwork can I, uh, note that I, I took when I was looking that up and see like, you know, how did they come up with this kind of design and all that stuff? Um, the original art was conceived by Jeff Aroff, I think, and Norman Moore consisted of a series of photographs overlaid with transparent horizontal stripes of blue, red, and yellow. And I didn't, I was really surprised about this because I can't imagine how much this costs. Yeah, Brian's holding up a single with the blue, mm -hmm. red, and yellow, minus the photos in the background right. on the original cover. There are 36 variations of this album cover. Yep. With That's different cool. arrangements of the, even the color stripes. Yep. But showing different photographs of the band members. And I thought, how cool is that? I yeah. mean, to want, if that got out there, I'm sure that was probably released somehow in the, the ether. Mm-hmm to start collecting those. Right. And you're buying the album two, three times. Right. Probably. So what a great little marketing tactic. Jimmy did, I bet. Yeah, yeah he could have. <laughs> I, no, never, I never bought the album. I actually I did. I bought it used at one point. But I do remember at the time, you know, just seeing it occasionally going, oh, it looks a little different than I remember it. Mm -hmm. All right, lots to talk about. So let's get into talking some tracks. Right. Let's talk tracks. All right, I'll go through the uh, order of tracks here. We'll circle back and start at the beginning. Side one, synchronicity one. Walking in your footsteps. Oh my God. Mother, Miss Gradenko, and synchronicity two. Side two starts with every breath you take. King of pain, wrapped around your finger. Tea in the Sahara. And murder by numbers is actually a bonus track on the only the cassette and CD editions. So that didn't appear on the actual album, I guess. Mm -hmm. So we started and I think, it's, I think it's Sahara, Dave. Sahara, sorry. Sorry. Right. Hey, you say tomato, I say potato. All right. You say Mankato. <laughs> Mankato. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, for our local town, sometimes it gets pronounced Mankato. Yeah. Yes. Synchronicity One. How are you guys feeling about this song for an opener? Love it that synth riff kind of thing going throughout it is uh, really cool. Oh, so as we heard in our little opening here, that's right. I listened to all of this on a really good set of headphones and it was a unbelievably cool experience. Uh, the, the bass layer on this was cool. The, the drum beat. Well, I'll talk more about the drumming, but I think Copeland is a genius at the drums. Um, the backing vocals, just everything about this, that those backing vocals added a real distinct layer, I thought, to the song. It was just a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, the bridge um, kind of have a different beat. It was a slower beat, and it was a very cool effect, too. Um, 
And then at the end, the organ or synth, I can't remember if it's an organ. It well, I know there's there's a lot of guitar effects that sound yeah, like synths. This whole so, album is really yeah. has very cool layered guitar yep. effects. Not layered like a, a um, Boston or Journey album, mm-hmm. just interesting stuff. And, um, and Summers isn't really solo much. I mean, it's... No, there's, no, there's a couple... I, I, I know, but I'm just yep. saying there is not much. No, I agree. And yeah. it's I was probably li- just li- a lot listening for them when there was. It's yeah. like, oh, cool, oh, there's guitar something. solo. Yeah. And they weren't very long. <laughs> no. And they were. Yep. Um, Quick and to the point. But, it, yeah, it great beat to start off the album. It really kicks you in the gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They also started off their synchronicity tour each venue with this song, too. Mm-hmm. That gets you fired up. Yeah, Stuart, Stuart. I found a quote from Stuart Copeland about this playing it on tour. He said, uh, Sync One has Sting's cool sequencer part, that dunk-a-dunk-a-dunk thing that I, to this day, get all the credit for. He said, people think it's me playing some percussive instrument, and I have to put them right. It was a real lama-lama way of starting our set on tour, though it almost killed me to start with that kind of onslaught every night. Yeah. <laughs> you think about it. I mean, it's yeah. you're starting at home 100 miles an hour from... from the first song, right? He, um, Copeland is very good at deflecting anything about himself or his mm-hmm. drumming ability. He praises Sting a lot. Um, I don't know if it made me a lot, a, a bit um, much, but he uh, he talks about Sting's songwriting, and you know, he I can't remember which song he said. You know, he brought it in the studio, and it could have been a hit just in this raw form. It was mm-hmm. that good. Um, he's a very humble guy. I, 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 Copeland's cool. I saw there was a video. That's um, why he's always wanting to punch people. <laughs> just, just sting. Probably on drugs. Or <laughs> 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 well, musicians. I, mean, I have, I have a good end quote to kind of wrapping all that up too. And maybe why. I don't know that anything the, about Why it. that there was some tension. Yeah. I'd right. be looking forward to it. Yeah. I thought this is a really good intro to the album. Like Brian usually says, it's, I mean... You're starting off with a bang here. Mm-hmm. I also thought this is a good intro to what synchronicity means, too. If you li- read the lyrics, and they're talking a little bit about that. So introducing you to, to the concept, I think. You know, when I first listened to this album back in the day, I didn't think about the lyrics. I didn't think about lyrics a lot back then. It's just, you know, if it sounded cool, it's good. It is. Yeah. Yep. It is what it is. Um, but diving into this for this episode and looking at lyrics as I was going along, like, whoa, that's why I appreciate, you know, not just a song about, I just want to make love to you or something like that. I mean, there's a lot of rock and roll bands that that's all they do is talk about, uh, love or their love songs. And this was, yeah, it's pretty deep. It's pretty dark in places. And that's what makes it to me a little more interesting. All that synth stuff, I found a quote from um, Melody Maker. Adam, this guy, Adam Sweeting, said, um, Indeed, listening to this opening track, it doesn't take much of a leap or of imagination to foresee the police as a fusion group. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff being fused together, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Styles of music, even. Is that mm-hmm. what fusion is? I think so. I mean, huh. that's kind of different styles, you know, and they get yeah. into that. We get into that you know, number of yeah, songs. Jazz fusion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never really got into fusion. I know the term and yeah. um I've I've heard of a few Jeff Lorber. You ever remember the mm-hmm. Jeff Lorber band? No. I think they were a fusion band. Um 
but yeah, I mean, as you go along, <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's a lot more of it coming up. Ready to move on? Yep. All right. Walking in your footsteps. Very worldly sound, obviously, on this one right from the get-go. <laughs> it's odd, but I like the oddness of yeah. the track. I mean, the drums, obviously, were way different than any of the other songs on the album. Um, and there's these little fills throughout that just add, well, kind of like you were saying, Brian, with Synchronicity 1 and the guitar fills and stuff. They're present here, too. Um Sting is a really good singer too. Wow. I mean, he yeah. his vocals soar on this one. Um probably more than what I remember as well. Just didn't pay attention to his singing that much years ago, but it was fun to maybe was this he's had a ton of um solo work, but you know, was this close to being at his prime? I don't know how old Sting was at the time, but Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's pro. I mean, maybe a few years earlier. I don't know. I mean, because I love a lot of his solo stuff too. I no. listen to a lot of that yeah. mm -hmm. and really just enjoy. I mean, he's just a phenomenal musician too, a bass yep. player. I mean, he has so many, he works in so many like weird time signatures. That's kind of one of his, yes, what he's known for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just appreciated all the, the, timing of things on here too you know when it's percussion and synth and guitar and how they just constantly are mixing and matching and mixing that up so much i wonder how much the producer engineer had to do with that they were recording in separate rooms yeah not really talking to each other but what produced what might be their best album i don't know ghost in the machine's pretty darn yeah. good too but uh, well this was the best selling though right yeah. right yeah, yeah. Okay. This song for me, after about a minute, I was pretty bored with it. Oh, really? I mean, I've, I've, I'm very familiar with the song. I've been listening to it for years, but uh, it feels like, you know, you're just waiting for it to kick in or to do something and it never, never kicks in. Yeah. Not the it's way it's just kind of a droning kind of thing throughout and mm -hmm. just, yeah, just kept waiting. And There's I know, a few I on know here. it's not going to kick in, yeah. but mm -hmm. I still feel like, come on, do something. Do something. A little do something. Yeah. yeah. I have that feeling on a number of these songs. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, mm. I mean, it was fun to listen to, you know, a few times, but it's a, a lot of these we'll, we'll get to, because I did my rating again per song and I'm like, you know what? I probably wouldn't listen to this a whole lot. And I, and this is the crazy thing. And I, I think I talk about this a lot is the song order on the albums. And it sold 7 million, so who cares? But I'm thinking going from Synchronicity 1 into Walking in Your Footsteps, I mean, it's just like a total drop off a cliff Yeah, to go to that. I mean, to me, it's just like, oh, you had all this momentum going. Yeah. And now you're going to do this? Disappointing to me. The way the album is, it'd be hard to choose one, especially from those on this side. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a lot of variety on this album. Yeah. So it's, yeah, would have been interesting to see if they made an album that sounded a lot like Synchronicity 1 and 2 throughout, made a rock album. Yeah. Um, this is not a rock album. It's in the rock category, but there's a lot of, a lot of different stuff here. A lot of experimenting. You ready to move on? Let's move on to the uh, third track, Oh My God. Okay. Way ahead of their time. OMG. <laughs> yeah, right. 
<laughs> I thought this song was more of the traditional police sounding song. You know what? The first comment I wrote down, this is a little more reminiscent of earlier police yep. work. Yep. Not a ton, but it's it's definitely yep. reminiscent of it. I would be curious to know when it was written. Maybe it didn't make it on the could, previous album. Could and, be. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Oh, yeah. His uh, Sting's bass is very prominent again. I can hear the bass line throughout on a good set of headphones. He's a good bass player. Yeah, he is. He's really He's good. He's a phenomenal bass player. Yeah. Um, and again, and you know, I thought the drumming was, he has such cool fills and stuff. It's mm-hmm. just unique, different. It's not just your everyday pop song stuff. Um, and I really appreciated the sax solo at the end. It was really a pretty good sax solo. Who does that? Yeah, good question. I, I was know. trying to look a little bit into it to see who is playing saxophone. Yeah. And I couldn't, I don't know if I saw liner notes or what, but there wasn't anything that listed who was playing what. So I, No, I tried to look that up on liner notes as well. And any, yeah. any copy of or image I could get didn't seem like it indicated who played what of anything. Right. Not even like the main, the the police right yeah so i don't i have no idea me neither oh i was you know because sting delivers lyrics so you can't always understand what he's saying so i exactly going through each of these and and really getting (laughs) into the what is this song about which i don't normally do but he is you know pretty phenomenal songwriter so i was trying to understand and look up you know and some of these like what the heck was this all about this is a really depressing song there's a lot of depressing stuff <laughs> on this album. Well, and he was going through some personal stuff during the creation of the album too. Right. Mm-hmm. Break up with his wife and all that stuff. But yeah, this is a yeah, kind of a depressing song. Again, like like the previous one, like it's an okay song, but not not one I'm gonna return to and listen over and over and over again. This one drew from uh every little thing she does is magic and threw that in those lyrics at the end yeah. of the oh. at the end of the song. Mm-hmm. I was wondering what that was about. Why? Yeah, I you, don't know. Huh. You'd have to ask Sting. Yeah. All right, let's I move don't on. Know, I don't know if you'd answer, though. <laughs> it seems like... Well, I, I, got I, was, on, I got him on my contacts. So okay, yeah. Call him up on the board here. And, I know there's some, I mean, something coming up a little bit later, but uh, even the band members asking him questions on stuff and... Oh, yeah. Him, him not answering. Yeah. Not telling him. What, what the okay. thing's about. Yeah. Yeah. Another bone of contention. Shut yeah. up and sing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Dude, just do your part. Let me worry about the lyrics. <laughs> All right, let's move on to everybody's favorite song, Mother. I'm, Mother. I'm sure nobody has an opinion on this one. All right. Okay, it's different. I'll give you that. <laughs> but come at it with an open mind. Is you this, can tell where I'm going. I like this album. Um, is this really a love it or hate it song, though? It could be for some people. It's all subjective. You can hate it if you want. I hate it. It's awful. Yeah, I don't. I don't I, think it's awful. I cannot understand why in the world they'd even put this on the album. Maybe you put it as an unreleased track on the B side of a single, but to include this on the album, it's just awful. See, I I thought this sounded like something the Beatles could have even done on one of their later albums. I would it's, have skipped it there too. Yeah, and that's fine. <laughs> I you know. But it's it's meant to sound real anxious, and you know what? Oh, it's very unsettling. Job well done, yeah. then, if that's what you wanted to make it. Because I, I read, so Andy Summers, um, his mom, I guess, was really proud of him. Like A little to the, overbearing. Yep, to yeah. the point where, my son, the rock star. And I think he was kind of saying, 
<laughs> lighten up, mom. You know, just then this it. is his way of saying lighten up. I think so. <laughs> so she was the helicopter mom before there were helicopter moms. Probably, yeah, sounds yeah. Maybe. I always question bands that that bring like have one of the other members do a song. It just never makes sense to me. Just doesn't usually fit in. Maybe uh, it was part of the um, maybe it was tension going on. Yeah, the maybe time. there was because right after this is no he doesn't sing but there's a Stuart Copeland pen song right, right after this correct. too yeah. yeah i'm i'm kind of with brian i was you know not having this album and listening all the way through hearing songs i didn't hear before this one was very abrupt mhm and at, at first I was kind of like, well, that's kind of an interesting experimental stuff going on here. You know, I, I like a lot of early Pink Floyd and it was a little reminiscent of that. But then the more I listened to it, the more it just grates on me. And I, I cannot stand this song anymore. Yeah, there, there's, there's very few. I mean, I like to listen to albums as a whole, yeah. no matter what. And even if songs aren't that great, I still listen to them. This one, I skip every time. Yeah. There's another one on here, too, that I skip every time. So if it's, is it the vocals or the music or both? It's both. Yeah, it's, it's both. Just, so that's so weird is. musically, too. I mean, it's, it's very, like, worldly, almost mm -hmm. like an Indian sound. It's made, yeah. to feel you, made, made to make you feel tense. Oh, it's tense. Yeah. I, I think there was intent behind it. Oh, definitely. But we don't have to like it. And there was, there was a couple other B-side, non-album tracks that were on some of the singles that would have been much better to put Oh, really? On. Yeah. Yeah. I did not listen to any of those. Yep. He had another one, uh, Someone to Talk To, that he also, you know, quote, sang. And uh, yeah, that would fit way better than this one. Oh, actually, I had a note on uh, Synchronicity 1 was actually released as a single in Japan with Someone to Talk To. Yeah, um, as a B side. That's on uh, King of Pain, the B Someone side of King to? of Pain. Yeah. Okay. Synchronicity one. I mean, I remember hearing that on the radio. That did get airplay, at least in my area. Oh, really? Yeah. Though it wasn't released as a single. Moving on. Yes, we are. Goodbye, mother. Hello, Miss Gradenko. Who is Miss Gradenko? I wasn't able to figure that one out. Don't know. I think it's just a fictional person alluding earlier to Stuart Copeland and I knew what his dad did. He was a, his dad was a founding member, member of the CIA. Mm -hmm. So if that makes any sense with what we're talking about here, a little spy stuff little going bit, on. Yeah. So oh, here's what man. Stuart Copeland um, had to say uh, in a 2018 interview with soundvapors.com about, about uh, Ms. Gradenko. So they're not allowed to have a relationship, but they do. Humans are like that. You put them in tight uniforms and try to shut them down, but they will fall in love. Are you safe, Miss Gradenko? Not only are you safe, but are you safe from me? I'm totally mm -hmm. lost. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's, people did compare it to, I believe, like the Cold War tensions yeah. or espionage type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a little bit of a trust thing, you know, are you safe, but are you safe for me? to have a relationship with you. Yeah. Are you safe, Miss Gradenko? Because he asked that mm. question a lot in the mm -hmm. song. So. Does that sound Russian? <laughs> yeah. I, I, so. Or something, somewhere around the region. It's a quirky there. song. Yeah. There's a guitar solo in it. But it, and yeah. it's, it's peppy. It's, it's got a good, yeah, good like bounce to it. It's, yeah. yeah. I like the nobody but us. Yeah. yeah. Nobody but us. I was singing that out when we were golfing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. So it is catchy. It is very catchy. And it's what, two minutes? Yeah. Yeah. So two minutes. It's a short song. I guess that's what happens when the drummer does a song. Yeah. Um, I also found this. Stuart has remarked that he wrote this song as a tiny meditation on forbidden love in a totalitarian regime. Hmm. So that makes sense. Kind of the same thing. (laughs) Come on, Lance. You wanted wanted some heady lyrics. Yeah. We'll stick to Sting's lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this isn't, there's not a lot of lyrics to this either because they just repeat a lot of the stuff. Right. But they wrote a pretty catchy song about something that's Mm -hmm. kind of elusive. Yeah. You know, both in terms of like what it's written about and kind of like trying to understand it. Yep. So I I like the song. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to end this side with Synchronicity 2. This is the more popular of the Synchronicity Duo. The duo. Yes. I like this one too. This is a jamming song. Yeah. I wrote down maybe my favorite song on the album. Yeah. I I mean, it's an awesome beginning. It's a dark, moody. Yeah. um, So is this the one where Andy Summers um, just was doing all these feedback? Did you read anything on that? He was like... the Yeah. And he just, for like six or 10 minutes or something, was just getting all this feedback and he couldn't even hear what he was doing until he went back into the sound booth and listened back to it. And he's like, whoa, that's some really cool stuff. And I think that's what you hear in the intro. Of yeah, the song. I can believe that. I think that's this one. Yeah, I was reading that too. And and listen for it and you're like, wow, this is a lot of stuff. Going oh, yeah. On. Yeah. Because he said he basically had to just kind of play it by ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With what he was doing. Yeah. And it was super kind of complicated. Right. Stuff. Yeah. It's like some of those bands that make such a, um, complex song in the studio and then they forget how to or maybe can't even play it live because it becomes so difficult yeah yeah it's been it's happened a few times over the years and i'm sure that's the danger with creating such yep. an intricate instrumentation on you know under all these layers that are you going to be able to come, do this live somehow yeah. come to think of it i i did see a video a live video of this from the reunion tour in 2008 and it did not start like this. Oh, really? It was just more chords. They and just stuff. went into it, yeah. Yeah. They do what they can to recreate it, I suppose. I mean, how about the line, something crawls from the slime at the bottom of a dark Scottish lake? I know. This is a cool. Lyrically, this is probably one of my favorite ones. Yes. Too. Yeah. And that's... But one reason is because I can kind of understand it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it had lots of cool, you know daddy only stares into the distance and you have all these yep. really good visuals that I could understand. Yeah. So I thought it was, is this the one it, that has the rice krispies reference too? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Din of something of rice krispies. Yeah. A visual documentary, which was a, a document 84 sting was quoted as saying about the song. There's a domestic situation where there's a man who's on the edge of paranoia. And as his paranoia increases, a monster takes shape in a Scottish lake the monster being a symbol of the man's anxiety. So that's a synchronistic situation. Also, I found something that said two parallel parallel events that aren't connected logically or causally, but symbolically. So you have this like the Loch Ness monster mm-hmm. basically kind of right. rising from the deep as this guy's paranoia just increases. So he kind of references the Loch Ness monster and like the end of the chorus and then they get back into the, the lyrics. So it's just a cool dynamic. I yeah. thought. Mm-hmm. And every time he references that monster, it's a, a little bit different kind of reference. The Scottish Lake. Mm-hmm. Then he's like at the cabin door. Mm-hmm. You know, a lock. 
And I, I don't know if you guys, I was like, okay, what does this have to do with synchronicity one? Is there anything that ties them together? And I tried to find that. And this is the one I was kind of referencing earlier where, yeah. where they're asking Sting is like, what's the connection? Oh, yeah. And he wouldn't tell and him. He wouldn't tell him. And they actually tried uh, to connect them with have sort of kind of an instrumental thing into it that would lead into the other one. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't sound right. And they couldn't figure out what to do. So they abandoned that. So but they that, were actually going to have it like back to back. Right. Originally. Yep. Oh, and it, and it was going to be called Loch Ness Monster, that in between oh, part. Interesting. Yeah. That, that's yeah, cool. Hmm. Cool. But uh, for some tie. reason, they decided not to. And here they are five songs apart from each other. Yeah. No. <laughs> I thought this would have been cool kicking off the second side. I thought the same. Yeah. That, okay. Well, now we're just going to start off side two with Synchronicity 2. Yeah. Right. Just bump the other one. I up. thought that would have been good, but yeah. But we're in the world of digital, and it doesn't really matter. We'll pretend it's on side too. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. From this point on, I mean, you got some pretty good stuff going on. Yeah. So let's flip it over. I don't have any sound effect for flip the flip it, it over. Uh, side two. Every breath you take. Obviously, the <sighs> biggest song on the album by far. Sampled by what rap artist? Kanye. I don't know. Did he? Uh, somebody so. did. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. I saw on Spotify like the number. You can see the number of plays for each of these, mm-hmm. and most of them have, you know, in the hundreds of thousands. This one has over a billion. Yeah, I yeah, believe it's, it. It's like it's yeah. it's a universal song. I mean, yeah. you could total classic. No matter what kind of music you listen to, you can kind of. I'm just going to throw it out there in case anybody thinks this is a romantic song. Do not play this at your wedding. Yeah, no, right. Because it's not about what you think it's about. No. If that's what you're playing. At your wedding. Yeah. Stalker. I think everybody figured that out about a year after it came out. <laughs> Possessive I, lover. I didn't. Didn't you? No. Uh, in May 2019, it was recognized by BMI, Broadcast Music Incorporated, as being the most played song in radio history. Yeah. So there you go. There's like yeah. a billion listens, right? Um, Sting said, I think the song is very, very sinister and ugly, and people have actually misinterpreted it as being a gentle little loving song, yeah. love song. When it's quite the opposite. And he's in the background just snickering. I know. He's like, (laughs) look at these fools using another wedding. (laughs) They're in for a shock. I thought this was interesting, though. He said, I woke up in the middle of the night with that line in my head, sat down at the piano, and had it written in half an hour. Mm -hmm. How many times have we heard that? It's these blockbuster songs that just comes together in like 20 minutes or you know, I wrote the melody down and then we added the lyrics and it was an hour later and boom, we're done. And they can spend forever on other songs that yeah. just aren't that great. Yeah. You just never Sometimes know. Sometimes you just got it. Inspiration's going to hit, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, 2010, it was estimated to generate between a quarter and a third of Sting's music publishing income. Hmm. <laughs> so he's mainly getting rich from is, one song. Is this the one where there's... Was it there with one of the other band members thinking they had kind of part of the rights to it but weren't getting it? Oh, really? That would be Could unfortunate. Be. I can't remember, but I'm sure they wish they had more rights on this one. You know what my favorite part of this song is? The echo on the guitar slide when yes. he slides his fingers down. Yes. I love that. Yes. Very cool. I remember the video too, black and white, kind of old looking movie video yes. kind of a yep. thing. I had a friend that was convinced that Sting was blind. 
Because <laughs> he's wearing the glasses? You, no, because just when you look in the oh, video, not, he yeah. looks like he's blind. <laughs> if That's you right, because he, he's just staring. He's just staring. In one direction. And, yep. and never hey, at the, the camera. camera's over here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, well, he I is mean, not blind. There are some musicians that are blind. <laughs> I can see that. This video has over a billion views alone, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I got nothing to add. It's just, <laughs> it's such a ubiquitous song. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Everybody's it's great. I like it, but I have yep. not much to talk just, about. Uh, from this album, this is probably the one I hear the most, but a lot yeah. of the other songs, you, I don't personally hear that often, even though they were big songs. I well, just maybe. I think more of the older police stuff I hear. And yeah. Maybe that's just because of classic rock radio yep. that you're listening to and they're going to play some of the other stuff. But Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to uh, King of Pain. Probably my also second song. favorite song on the album. Another good uh, one, yep. Uh, Sting's vocals are great. It's it's a kind of a classic Sting song that I think could have been on one of his solo albums in a little different tempo. Yeah. Um, cool guitar fills like all the other tunes on this album. I'm never not going to compare this as soon as I hear it with King of Suede by Weird Al Yankovic. Weird Al, yes, he did. I heard that song for First. years because <laughs> my brother had the Weird Al's in 3D cassette yeah. tape. And I heard this song and I was like, oh, that's a cool song. And then I heard King of Pain later and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. I Now I've heard this song. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's a, a spot at the end where it gets real quiet. And he's just singing, and then there's this big build up again. And it's sounds really cool. Yeah, um, it's just really great songwriting. And we hear the xylophone. Oh and, man, I gotta pick that out again. Oh, at the beginning, that ding, 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 ding. Oh, that okay, yeah. gotcha. Yep. In live, when they did the song live, uh, Stuart Copeland would come out and do that on the xylophone. Okay. And then he'd run back to his kit and start playing. But yeah, very cool. This is xylophone on one of the synchronicity beginning of synchronicity uh, one. Uh, I have no idea. Might be. There's lots of good and, and there's lots of stuff going on in so many songs. Yeah, I know. Yeah, this it's, one apparently when they first were recording it, it was just so busy. They had so much going on. That's right. I read that too. And then they, the they engineer stripped basically. it down, yeah. and then that's what they got. And then then all of a sudden, oh, this is working now. He and Sting sat down, and Sting was just like, "Well, this is crap." And the yeah. engineer was like, "Yeah, I think you're right." And they just stripped everything down and just yep. like added single things until they got to where right. they were at. Yeah, obviously, a much better song, I imagine. How yeah. to, how to build a song? That's, That's right, right. Yeah, uh, the song was inspired by Sting's then recent separation from his first wife. He said, "I conjured up symbols of pain and related them to my soul." That's where you hear that yeah. soul. A black spot on the sun struck me as being a very painful image, and I felt that was my soul up there on the sun. So it's just projecting your state into the world of symbolism, which is what poetry is all about, really. That's cool. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, just he just gets these things, right? Prolific songwriter. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, moving along to Wrapped Around Your Finger. My third favorite song on the album. I rated my top three. <laughs> yeah, this is a good one. This the sound quality on this one is so good. Yep. I mean, if you're talking about listening to it on some good headphones, mm -hmm. this one is it's so rich sounding. This is my favorite song on the album. Mm -hmm. I could listen to this for a long time on repeat. Yep. I just love everything about it. There's so much cool instrumentation things going on here. 
it, I mean, I feel, I feel like I pick out something different every time I listen to it, except what this is a, like, like, like the perfect song, except for 99.9% perfect, except there's a bass note snap. I was going to bring that up. That oh, twice. What is that? There's happens twice. I think it's twice in the song. I only hear it once at like four thirty two. I noted it. Why is that in there? <laughs> That's funny because I kind of like it. Like when no, I'm listening, we to need the song, to play that. Can we play that I'm, right now? I'm I, like anticipating. I'm anticipating that song. And oh, <laughs> like what in the world? Uh, well, you look for that. I I thought some of these name drops, Mef, Mephistopheles. Yeah. Did you catch see. that? I did. You know who yeah. is Mep? So oh, I so I looked it up. Um also known as Mephisto, a demon featured in German folklore. Uh, he originally appeared in literature as the demon in the Faust legend and has become a stock character appearing in other works of art and popular culture. He's dropping in cultural references yeah. into books all the time, though. He must Even in the first song. Read a lot. Yeah. Huh? I think he's a pretty well guy. It's real, all too much for me. I know. It's I, don't, <laughs> I don't like to have to think this much when I'm listening to music. <laughs> well... And I, you know, honestly never did until I did the research. Well, you know what? You can do that now. Back in 1983. How were you going to figure out any of this stuff? And I didn't want to. If it sounded cool, then I'll listen to it. If it doesn't sound cool, you'd have to go to the library and, you know, get an encyclopedia or something. I don't know. And and that that would be just for one reference. You'll be well read as Sting. I didn't even want to go to my U.S. history class in 1983. (laughs) (laughs) Much less All right. learn about here's Mephistopheles. The, here's the bass baseline snap. Huh. I love it. What? I love it. What? No. Yes. No. No. Wow. No. It's so jarring because I mean it's such a like smooth, relaxing song, and then there's that little jarring though. He just doesn't want you to get too comfortable, <sighs> Dave. I think it's just breaking up perfection with that one errant note on purpose. Mm. But it still ticks me off. I still don't like it. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it happens one other time earlier in the song. If you find that, note that for me because I, I didn't hear it any yeah. other time but that one because it's so jarring on that one. <clears throat> but anyway, I, I love the song otherwise. I yeah. can't really find fault with that. Yep. And the video? Did you guys watch yes. the video? You remember that with all the candles? Yes. Oh, I do remember that now. Yeah. yeah. So that they was shot it. Cool. They shot it, or they sped up the song when they shot it. So when they then, recorded it. When they yeah. recorded it, recorded the video. So when they played it back at normal speed, it looks like they're kind of moving in almost slow motion, a little bit slower than normal. Yet it's in sync. Yeah, it's in sync. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Tea in the Sahara. 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 I, I look at that and I say Sahara. Sahara, Sahara, Sahara. potato, potato. Mankato, Mankata. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so again. Song, song wasn't a hit. No. But it, I think it could have been, actually. Made it to the Greatest Hits album. Um, very jazzy. Um, in fact, I think uh, probably the most jazzy song on the album. Real relaxing. Just skip kind of, it. Kind of flows. <laughs> this is the other skip one you it. skip, Brian. Huh? Oh, I cannot stand this song. <laughs> I, yeah. you know, doing the review for this album, this one and Mother, I f- had to force myself to keep listening to these songs and trying to find, <laughs> okay, maybe there's something in here that I will like or come out with. Nope, no. I did not. Poor Brian. 
He sacrificed for our episode. It's annoying. The The chorus is so annoying to me. It just, I don't know. I don't know if I don't like tea or something. You know, there's <laughs> the Nirvana. Deserts. Nirvana has a tea song. Um, Penny Royalty. Yes. And I, I hate that song too. Really? So maybe it's a tea song. Oh, I think Brian hates jazz. Yeah. No, I don't no. like. I don't mind jazz. Nirvana's not jazz, though. If you if you no. look at Sting's stuff, like Soul Cages and stuff, I mean that stuff's really jazzy. Yeah, I, I like that stuff. Mm. This one, mm, it just this, this is a, it's in, a know? skipper. I skip it. Like sand in your underwear. Ooh, in the Sahara. Yes, Sahara sand. It's hot. It's hot. Ugh. Hot and annoying. Terrible. It gets everywhere. Another 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 song inspired by a book. Paul Bowles' book, The Sheltering Sky, the first section of that book is called Tea in the Sahara. So mm. there's where he got it from. So do you like the song, Dave? Um, I'm. That's uh, kind of another one I'm kind of indifferent on. Like, I can listen to it. It doesn't bother me, but it's not going to be one I'm going to go back to again. There's a, there's a number of them on there like that one. Like our next one called Murder by Numbers, mm-hmm. which is the bonus track I mentioned that on the cassette and CD editions. And the reason they didn't put that on the record is because it was the record was getting too long. Because it was eleven number track right. number eleven. Yeah. So yeah, they couldn't sonically. You just you lose too much if you make them too long. So that was why this was a bonus track on tape and CD. So it starts off with uh, Copeland drumming, mm-hmm. and I listened to a video about the making of the album. And it wasn't supposed to start that way. This was just him noodling around trying to find mm-hmm. the beat. They they had a bunch of stuff because they're all doing different things in different rooms. And he's just like, what is this? And he's trying to figure it out. And it turned out we're going to can everything but Copeland drumming at the beginning. Oh, really? And that's how wow. it became an album start or a song starting with drums apparently this was done in one take yeah they were like at the breakfast table in the morning kind of coming up with these ideas and uh sting pulled out some lyrics he had and as they were finishing up their breakfast Stuart copen's down there playing drums they go down there and kind of join them record it and that's what you hear was this the only song done in one take because I know they like piece together the but, other but one, this a lot is of the other ones. not yeah. not only it, one take the song had never been played before Oh, so they yeah, they were like a bunch like of a rehearsal. Stuff. They, yeah, they like didn't a rehearsal have, this, this would have like, been like the rehearsal. Okay, let's hear some ideas. There's some lyrics. Let's go down and play something. Try to figure it out. And like, that's what they did. And that's what that's what you hear, <laughs> which is pretty impressive. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, you may not think it's a great song, but it's. Yeah. I mean, to just whip that out. I love the line. Good. You can bump off every member of a family or anybody else you find a bore. <laughs> <laughs> it's really a weird song. It is. Um, it is. And he gets like, political too. He's talking about it's you know, a simple leaders track. Being killers. I mean, ABC one two three, but throw murder into it. I mean, come on. Yeah, and it's all about planned murder. There, and there, there's very there's one point where Sting uh, he says a. It's kind of towards the end of the song, and it it sounds so phlegmy. It's it's kind of gross. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he is. Yeah, <laughs> just passion. He, he said singing it, with passion. Yeah, he said in an interview because I was like, this uh, this has got to be like a parallel to something else, right? Because he's not going to just be singing about 
murdering and how awesome it is and how much fun, whatever. It's just like, what? I imagine the record executives were having a field day going, you're singing about what and how happy you are? And so he said in an interview, though, the, uh, the song is about the fascination that people have with murder, not the act itself. Mm -hmm. They wanted to depict how people could justify violence in the name of revenge, jealousy, or even love. So putting that in context, you're like, okay. But still, it's just a really weird thing to be singing about. So kind of nonchalant, <laughs> you know, you too can do it. Yeah. Like it's a step by step here. That's right. Yeah, yeah it's not my favorite song, but I I don't mind this song. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the jazzy this of this though either too. So we're kind of ending on a not on a banger here, I guess. Like some of our yeah. more recent albums, you know. <laughs> no. Unfortunately, well, so, maybe it was just kind of thrown on there. It, well, I mean, this was the bonus track, right? So, but how about replacing Mother and having this on there? I mean, obviously this was on yeah, there, but... Yeah, I would have been in favor of that. Yeah. Totally. There was one, uh, someone to talk to, that was the, oh, the Andy Summers sang. They wanted Sting to sing the song, and Sting was just like, I didn't write these lyrics, I, I can't get behind them, I'm not going to sing it. So then Andy Summers sings it, and uh, Andy was really disappointed that Sting didn't sing it. Stuart was disappointed that Sting didn't sing it. They liked the song, but... And so that ended up as a B-side. Couldn't force them. But it's like, you know, that song or the other one, uh, man, could have replaced yeah. a couple of these songs, I think. All right. Uh, I have a summary here from a 2018 interview on soundvapors.com, that same interview I mentioned. Stuart Copeland had this to say about recording the album. Any artistic collaboration is an artistic minefield. It was really important to each of the three of us that it was right we cared about it and we were no, there were no passengers in the police. There was nobody to say, yeah, sure. If you guys like it, sure. That's fine. Nowadays I would totally be happy to be a passenger or somebody has got a beef about something. They think there should be a saxophone solo instead of a guitar solo. Fine. It's all music. But when you're young, you subscribe to the notion that there is only one musical truth. Mine. Mine. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, which kind of and, sums up a lot of it. That, and that's angst. not just music. That's just yeah, youth. right. Youth in general. Yep. Any final thoughts, gents? So, Lance, did you buy this album when it came out? And how many times? Uh, I don't remember, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I, I owned it, but I can't remember at what point yeah. I bought it. I bought it later on. I yeah. The first Police thing I bought was their greatest hits, which came out in like 86 that had the remake of Don't Stand So Close To Me on it. Yeah, it was dumb. Uh, it was dumb, but it was, to me, if you're going to redo a song, completely do a different song. I remember watching the video with that with you. Yeah. I think we were talking about that very thing. Like, yeah. if you're going to redo it, you redo one of your own songs. Don't just change a little bit. Yeah, don't, don't just, like, changed. do the same song, but now yeah. five years later. Just change yeah. the arrangement in concert but, and leave it the same. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so that was my first thing. And then uh, I remember probably the late 80s I bought Bought this album, and then I, I and then I had bought the message in a box, the the CD compilation of all their stuff. And I'm more into the police now than I was then, to be yeah, honest. Me too. I, I would say I I owned this and probably Ghost in the Machine, and they were in rotation. But you know, back then it was more about ACDC and Van Halen, and mm -hmm. this was this was a little weird. Now it's not weird anymore to me. It's, it's funny. weird. <laughs> it's still weird. It's still weird. But it's still, it's cool. Yeah. It's funny how often 
I'll kind of refine artists and then go back and start listening to more of their stuff nowadays. Mm -hmm. You know, I go, why didn't I listen to more of that during the time? Oh, there's, yeah. The other stuff you were listening to pretty much took up all your other time. Yeah. And you weren't really interested in the periphery stuff. There's a lot, lot of artists I could mention that way, but yeah. I'll just mention one, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I didn't get it back then. Yeah. I, I didn't Stevie either. Stevie Ray Vaughan is a genius now. Oh, yeah. But I've never tried to rediscover that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's worth worth the time. Yeah. I th- yeah. This this police album is very different sounding from their other ones. Yeah, I think it is. the other ones you could see a progression. This one was a totally different direction. I think. Yeah, I mean, their early stuff kind of had that reggae influence feel yeah. and um, a little more bouncy. This this is, yeah, it's got a hodgepodge. Yeah, it is a of, hodgepodge. Of so stuff. can you tell that there's some maybe tension going on with that? Yes. Within the band on yep. the creation of this album as a whole? I Or are you reading into that now that you know there was tension in the band? For sure, now that you know, you can kind of feel it. Yeah. I can almost feel like songs that re- they recorded while things were okay between them and then <clears throat> songs that things weren't going so well. Yeah. Just by the the sound that they created. And maybe even some of the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Murder by numbers. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time so to give our Sting personal... Is, is that song about me? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, buddy. No, Stuart. <laughs> All right, it's time to give our personal rating of this album from zero to ten. Where do you guys stand on synchronicity, Brian? Seven, solid, it's solid. A pretty seven. good rating for Brian, considering how much you hated some of the songs. No, I the, no the the two songs I really don't like, and then there's two or three that are okay, but then there's you know four, five that are just solid songs. Yeah. So you're giving like tens to you some can, of the songs and you can, zeros to the others. I mean, the stuff that they released as singles makes total sense. And you can listen to the other stuff and say, yeah, I could see why this wasn't a single. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's all That's all records. I mean, not everything's a single. You got to do stuff that you like. You also got to do stuff that people are going to like. Mm-hmm. There's definitely that mix on this album. Yep. They're like, we're just going to do this because we want to do it. Yep. Not matter what people, mother. Yeah, yeah, obviously. It was their last album. They probably knew it, and yeah, so be it. I do remember seeing uh, an interview with them back on MTV, kind of probably around this time or shortly after when they broke up, and they were at playing some huge stadium show, and they're all kind of sitting up there looking out, and they're saying like, "We we can't get any bigger than this. This is like." it it's only down from here they knew it and there's like let's just let's call it quits we're gonna go out on top wow i wish more bands would do that once in a while i i do too but wouldn't you have loved to have heard another police album probably yeah 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 it was five's a little too few yeah but like dave was saying the sting solo albums were great too so yeah and they although were different had a similar feel at times. And maybe he was just tired of conflict. He's like, I know how to make an album. I can go do this. <laughs> right. I don't need the tension in my life. Yeah, yeah. he was the primary writer. So. Yeah. yeah. So why not? Mm-hmm. All right, Lance, where do you stand? Um, I used my same formula that I've been doing. I rated all of the songs, and uh, I'm going to be a little higher. I'm giving it a nine. 
Nine. Yeah. That's really high. This was my second favorite album of all the ones that we've reviewed. And wow. I, I, well, you're even working that into your grading system, huh? (laughs) Your grades from your other albums? Yeah. Well, I just remember, I think I gave a 10 to that Boston album. Yep. And I'm like, eh, it's not, but, um, this one going back, I just, I must've really had some decent headphones. Like I said, it (laughs) sounded really good. It was probably the remastered version too. Maybe that's what did it, but no, there, there's some real classic songs here that, um, made me like it an awful lot. I mean, they, they were a great band, no doubt Mm -hmm. about it. Uh, They were unique. Um, you know, they, I read, they really wanted to fit into the England punk scene, but they never were really accepted as a punk band. And I think we're all better off for it. They might've gotten lost in that scene. There was a couple uh, songs around the message in the box that were, they re- they recorded a single that they put out before they were signed and mm-hmm. had a couple songs while well, the A and B side, very punk. Oh, really? Very punk, yeah. yeah. I'd like to listen to those. I yeah. would like to hear that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they, they were huge. They were probably the biggest band in the world. I think I read that somewhere at the time Synchronicity came out. Yep. Um, if you're topping off, you know, tackling Michael Jackson's Thriller, you're probably yeah, pretty big. for sure. Right. right. Um, yeah. And they're among a handful of bands whose music, to me, just it holds up. It, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't uh, doesn't sound like a particular era or anything like that. Like some of the you know synth bands from that time. So, yeah, it you know definitely was a nine for me. And glad we reviewed it. It was kind of fun. I enjoyed reviewing this one a lot. I also uh, utilize the Lance method now. We're just going to call it the Lance method. <laughs> yeah. Uh, rating each of these songs and um, wrapped around your finger was my number one. The number two was actually um, uh, Synchronicity 2. Mm-hmm. I, just, yeah. I really like yeah. that song. There's just so much going on there. Yep. Yep. Um, but I'm a seven as well. Solid album, right in the right in the pocket for me. But yeah, it's obviously some really great songs with some not really great songs. And, mm-hmm. But uh, totally enjoyed the album. Want well, to know what I rated, Mother? <laughs> it was a six. Say, I gave it a six. <laughs> six out of seven? Yeah, I don't know what kind of grading system um, you have. Ten, <laughs> it's ten. I gave that a three. Yeah. Ooh, that's high. Right. <laughs> I thought, well, I'm a. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, it's tolerable for me. If you want to listen to some sting stuff, I'm going to do a sting plug here. The last ship is fun. He wrote a play, and I think he even was in in this play. The last, the ship. last ship. Really. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's very different, huh. but, uh, it's pretty cool. Doing what he I, wants to do. I, yep. uh, I remember I listened to it once. Well, this is kind of cool. And now I, you know, a couple of times a year I, I go back and listen to it. And then he put out a deluxe version and they put out a super deluxe version and super so deluxe there's, remastered there's a version. lot of stuff. There, and he's even got uh, Brian Johnson singing on a song. Weird. And, yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of guests, different guests doing stuff on there, but it's fun. Brian Johnson singing on one of his songs. Yeah. Really? Wow. And, and yeah, I mean, with this total accent and, you know, yeah. it's, you know, nothing ACDC about it. Oh, I mean, really? Yeah. And you'll probably listen and go, like, eh, this is pretty weird. But it's, I like it. It's fun. <laughs> I like to listen to it in the winter. It's kind of a moody mm. kind of. Well, it'll be coming up pretty soon that you're going to be listening to it then. I know. I know it. All right, guys, it's time for Remember When. This is a segment where I ask Brian and Lance their thoughts about something we grew up with but may no longer be around today. 
Today's item, fanny packs. <laughs> Been around since the 50s. Well, they modern, are still around, The Dave. modern version with nylon came into use heavily in the 80s. Yeah. And does uh, they continue to be in some way, shape, or form into today. Yeah. But they were kind of peaked there with that nylon look in the 80s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they are definitely, uh, I see kids especially, and European travelers. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're they world travelers. Taken on different shapes now, but I mean, the popularity of those with in high school especially. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever had one. I did. I'm sure I didn't. I always had them uh, when I go skiing. They were great for that or hiking. Yeah. And I remember even I bought one. It's probably been 20 years ago. I actually bought one. I used to take hiking and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. You still have that? I still have it. I still have the one I had from high school. Wow. I do not have that. (laughs) I took it. On so many trips, I'd have it up on when I was working on the slope because it was just great to have like bug sprayer stuff in it. Took in fishing, snacks, skiing, snacks. Yeah, it was just beer. Uh, <laughs> a big fanny pack. That's Maybe, the yeah. coolest for a ride. <laughs> That's yeah. true. If I had one now, though, I probably wouldn't be able to find it because my gut would hang over. <laughs> Where is this thing? Uh, can't find the zipper. That's, that's why you whip it over the, the back or the side, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rip, it to, rip it to the side. That's yes. good. But they, I mean, you see them everywhere again now. Yeah, they're especially you see yeah. Them a lot. I mean, they take a little bit for different shape, I think, and maybe a little bit bigger. Yeah. You can have those, but. You know, I, I didn't have a fanny pack, but I had a man purse about 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had a strap and a purse. It was was like very useful, man. I could put my phone in there and sunglasses. And so I'm talking about, I probably need another one. Yeah. Go out and get yourself a fanny pack. Yeah. No, I think you don't have to feel self-conscious about it now because it's okay to wear them again. Exactly. They're cool again. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I don't have a pacophobia. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Not pacophobic. All right, guys, that will do it for today. In our next episode, we'll be talking about the 1981 album Moving Pictures by Rush. If you missed our previous episode, we talked about the Billy Squire album Don't Say No. No. Nope. Just say yes. 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 Lots of opinions on where our album, uh, that album ranks for us. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go back and check it out. Hey, everyone, if you've enjoyed this episode or continue to tolerate this stuff that we maybe sound like we know what we're talking about occasionally would you do us a favor and share an episode link with a friend and help us spread the word about when records ruled let us know what album or topic from the 70s or 80s you'd really like us to discuss or maybe tackle 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 pan phrase wow wow let us know and maybe we'll do that in a future episode yeah, we'd appreciate it if you would leave us a review on this show or any of the other shows. The more stars, the better. I think the most stars would be what? Five? Five. All right. Go with fives on those. Uh, you can also check us out on Instagram, Facebook, at When Records Ruled. And you can leave us comments there. You can look at the fun stuff that Dave is going to post and uh, pick out your uh, favorite guy. <laughs> wow! <laughs> you mean the favorite amongst us three? Yeah, yeah. I like the guy with the fanny pack. 
And remember, we are not professional music critics. We're just three guys who like talking music. Uh, that's right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. See ya.